inspired by true stories such as Dances with Wolves, The Revenant, and The Patriot, comes Muskets and Tomahawks. Fortified Niche Hello everyone, this week it's Fortified Niche, just like every second week in general. I am JC Dent, and uh, as always, and I hope forever, joined by my co-host, Casa. As long as the money keeps coming in, I'll keep turning up. <laughs> Waiting for those yeah. checks to start clearing, man. Waiting for those checks to start clearing. <laughs> yeah, uh, those are COVID delays. Uh, the mm. check got stuck in the new that's ship fair. that's stuck in the Suez Canal. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that happens, that happens. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Casa, how are you these days? Um, I'm good. I just saw TT Combat's new Rumble Slam gang, which is knights. So they've got like two very JoJo's swole naked dudes with like gauntlets and helmets on. And it's very funny. And I'm going to buy the box and run them in Carnival because it just makes me happy. Um, <laughs> and also there's uh, a new I'm- Warhammer thing appearing and everyone seems very excited about the Warhammer thing. And I don't care, but it makes people stoked. So, you know, get your weird looking dwarves. Woo. Votan, whatever. Oh. Uh, I don't know. So, so, sounds somewhat racist is what it is. Ugh. Well, not racist, but sounds somewhat nationalist is what it is. Uh, <laughs> and also being excited about Rumble Slam is very uh, on brand uh, for a podca- for our podcast about the uh, smaller games. Yeah. Looking to Rumble Slam. It's fun. <laughs> I'm looking forward to some of the games we're going to, uh, you know, uh, review in the future. I uh, just need to fish out the uh, rule sets, or in some case, uh, wait for those rule sets to actually get finished and published. Mm. Uh, other than that, I'm playing a bunch of video. Uh, I'm playing a bunch of video games that haven't come out yet because, like, game reviewer privileges. What? 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 Everyone's so, very yeah. impressed, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure this will uh, this this will uh, cause a noticeable uptick in our listenership, and everyone's like, "What? Uh, this game is also a video game reviewer? Damn! I should tell all my friends about all my friends about this." Like, but where can they find these video game reviews? That's what I want to know. Well, since you segued so nicely into it, I have my own blog at uh, BarrelDrill.com. It's definitely a joke about how nobody ever drills barrels in uh, 40k. Uh, I also quite often get published in PC Invasion, so the, the, you can you you can uh, co- compare and contrast uh, w- w- how I write for myself and <laughs> how I write when there is money on the line. Ooh. <laughs> but this week, uh, only honor and the colonies are at stake as we play Muskets and Tomahawks by fittingly Studio Tomahawk. Uh, this game, uh, this game was the designed, created by Alex Bush Bushel Bushel. He's probably he. I think he's French, so he should be Alex Bushel or something. And Fred Matthew, guys, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Uh, I failed French every time I tried learning it. We will buy <laughs> you one beer at the next convention we see you at. Yeah, at the yeah. fortified niche guarantee. All right, yeah, <laughs> totally going to do this. Uh, if you have heard these names before or have read these names before, hopefully nobody mispronounced you in your general vicinity, it's because they made all the other uh, 
uh, Studio Tomahawk rates such as Saga, all of the Saga, Jagula, Congo, I think, and there's probably one other game I'm forgetting, but like these guys have done some good stuff and good shit. I've played a bunch of first edition Saga. I've also lost a bunch of first edition Saga, but that's me in any game. Uh, and also Studio Tomahawk does the good work of translating and localizing other indie games into the French language. Uh, uh, listeners, uh, listeners will know that we reviewed Dracula's America, so they localized that and all of the uh, all of the supplements. They also localized Frostgrave Second Edition or something else. So uh, Studio Tomahawk, they aren't some spring chickens. They're established names and they yeah. create games. A hey. this game seems cool. Like I liked it. Uh, it seems neat. Uh, the basics of it are rock solid. The bones are great. Tremendous, tremendous bones on these. You can make some. Um, delicious stock. <laughs> uh, yeah, these are uh, stock cubes, but uh, more, more about those stock cubes later. Uh, the premise of the game, basically, since the main rulebook doesn't come with any army lists, is that you're playing uh, battles in the Age of Black Powder, basically up to the introduction of, uh, you know, <sighs> magazine-fed rifles. Yeah. Because there, there are they, uh, they haven't released any supplements for like Franco-Prussian War yet or something. But there are technically rules for having those uh, not breech loaded. Is it the ones that load normally and not from the barrel? Yeah, I, w- I would say it, it quite accurately and it would easily cover most of the North American colonial period from like the very early ages upwards. Except for the yeah. North colonization of America, that's a bit too early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe not, not the lot. Vikings. <laughs> maybe, the, maybe not the Vikings. They don't have any. They didn't have any firearms, as far as we know. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Any uh, this game is basically meant for skirmish actions that uh, have occurred at any time where they had a gun, but that gun wasn't cool and exciting yet. Uh, I, I do wonder, um, having not played it, if it stands as much of a, an alternative to like Sharp's practice, because the scales seem close, and the periods aren't that far apart. Well, the scale is an interesting thing, because this game is adamant that the, each miniature represents a single dude, and Sharp practice does a bit of exp- abstraction, so I don't know how that, uh, how that works. And I also can't right. judge on the historical veracity or whatever of the army lists of because I don't think anybody put that much thought into that small unit tactics in, uh, in those days or write it down. Of course, I could be proven wrong. If I'm wrong, do at us on Twitter, especially by quote tweeting this episode and mm. telling me how I'm no, wrong about. Yeah, yeah, how I'm wrong about the table of organization and equipment for uh, fighting with sixty dudes in the French Indian Wars or the American Wars of Independence. Uh, although although the, the first thing that springs to mind when we bring up this the small scale unit tactics is um because I watched it recently the Good Lord Bird about John Brown and his um, emancipation efforts uh, you know the only good white guy of the eighteen hundreds yep. really <laughs> <laughs> um and like a lot of his uh, stuff was basically this scale like a lot of the combats that, he, that I've read about and seen represented were probably capped out at like a hundred people um 
So it's not doesn't seem unreasonable that there is records for this sort of stuff. Yeah, I haven't looked yeah. into it. Not a historian. Historians are all kind of nerds, and I'm cool. I didn't ask. Yeah, degree. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all cool. None of us are yeah, historians yeah, yeah. No, here. No, 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 no. Uh, the only history I know is my browser history because I need to clean it all the time. Uh, I have mm, no idea mm. about anything else. All those tanks uh, were over eighteen, we swear. Yeah, I, I, I don't, e- I don't even know what past is aside for a thing that's behind another thing. Uh, yeah, that's that, that's about it. So, uh, yeah, but like one of the things we have to say upfront is I think you need to get not only the rule book but also the uh, quote unquote setting book to get the full army list and army rules. This is pretty much like Saga Second Edition, which, as far as I know, rule book comes with no army books, and then you just buy those setting books to get the armies, which is. Yeah, well, you know, kind of uh, kind of annoying, but then again, maybe there's some logic from people who don't want to play the French-Indian Wars or pay for the French-Indian Wars and just want to get the, uh, like, you know, <laughs> the Napoleonic Wars version because, you know, when confronted with a historical period that's not that hasn't been played to death, immediately result to playing the period that has. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Personally, I'd go for uh, Redcoats and Tomahawks over Shackles and Bayonets because we have a bajillion rule sets for that already. So, so as we already kind of move, <laughs> moved into talking about, talking about, we can go to, immediately towards uh, the rules and talk yeah. about them. Um, once again, we're playing a game with card-based initiative, which I'm still excited by. I think it's such a neat idea. Oh, it's more than just card-based initiative. This game is essentially turn less mm. it's yeah, because like uh i draw a card i activate all of the unit i play a card i activate all of the units activated by that card then oppo- then the opponent plays a card and activates all of his units activated by that card but when i play my next card it can still be to activate those units that i played before if i have the card so yeah, that's and, the basic and there's no reason you have to play a card for your side i can give dent Six six back to back activation thinking like at some point it'll be my turn. It's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna play cards. It's gonna be yep. so cool. And you get you're, um, rewarded for doing so, which is neat. Yeah, Being yeah. Because nice. because once you build your army, you look at the unit types that you have, and there are cards and there are cards for unit types. So for regulars, provincials, irregulars, militia, uh, and then you take those cards from the uh, deck, which is freely available online, and put them into the common card deck, where both your and the enemy cards go. And then one other really interesting weird thing is, is that, unlike in, say, Conquest and stuff, you don't put one card for unit. If you have a single unit of regulars in your uh, in your army, you put all of the regular cards that are in the deck, which is basically for every unit. Yeah, for for, for every unit type, four. Four cards. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. And the turn never ends. You keep drawing drawing and playing cards. Once your hand finishes, you you draw three new cards. Uh, Once the deck finishes, you shuffle the cards, uh, shuffle the cards together and make a new deck. There are are clock cards which are have fairly limited functionality and they are kind of tra- kind of work like turn trackers and stuff which is 
I assume it's possible for a very large thing to happen and you don't draw the red clock. That means that you can bring in reinforcements for like half of the game or something. That's mathematically semi-improbable, but technically possible. And then you never get, you never get your reinforcements, but you're probably going to get them so- sooner rather than later. So yeah, mm. um, and I'm going to say that this whole turnus mechanic feels really fast and really nice because you don't have like any of these psychological gap gaps in the game or psychological uh, barrier there's, marks of the game there's no downtime where you go like okay let's all have a pause refresh do our morale clean up or remove tokens like nah man you just keep going you keep going until someone's dead or you've done your objectives yeah, and the, the game, yeah, the game is going. It's flowing. It's and it's action all the time, and can, you can never know what's gonna get activated next. You don't even know if the enemy is going to activate his units or you're going to activate your units. Yeah, it's it's super interesting. Yeah, and you also you also don't get uh, penalized for like playing the enemy activation card and making him activate units because you get a command point in exchange, and command points can be used to activate various fun fun abilities uh, that uh, allow you essentially to do activation stuff without having the required card. And some of them are priced according to how many miniatures are in the unit that you're going to activate. So you can't just spend one command point to, to activate a unit of like 12 riflemen. You need like three or four points. Uh, and this is another fun dynamic because you can do those actions instead of playing a card which boy does that open that does that open a field of possibilities of things for you to do yeah you can just sit there because not every card activates units there are but each side Two there's card. a morale card which is like um if you've got less than half of you to make morale tests and stuff there's also the forward boys card where all of your elites and officers get to do an extra action well all of them do an action so and then your officers can give someone else nearby an action so like instead of those cards for a while, just like use your command points you've been building up to go forward. But you might not get those command points back. You might you might stop drawing the opponent's cards for a while and be like, shit, shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's definitely a lot of things to do with activation, and it's really different than anything we've seen before. And by God, what I uh, do I hear saga music? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you see, so you see these guys really love. Uh, messing around with uh, how activations work and what they do yeah i was honestly just playing around on the train ride home it's like okay so cards activate units and how would that work in other games <laughs> it's like you need to get rid of turns you need to get rid of oh, that's too much yeah yeah i mean because when you have traditional t- turns in game they take you out of the gameplay completely because you have to do all sorts of checkups and uh see whether the unit uh, see whether something happened remove markers or yeah. something here oh. it's usually just like you know events that are specific to the book or yeah. reshuffling the deck or uh, checking if the uh, victory conditions have occurred uh, you can you can you can win unpredictably if you if you are at the right spot at the right time and holding enough objectives because, as long so, as your officer has done his special little thing Otherwise, you can't yeah. win the game, which is I like that yeah. a lot. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. This is this is another this is another and additional and somewhat optional part of the game, but 
I guess we'll discuss it in uh, maybe army building and stuff. Yeah, sure. Or, uh, or yeah, but yeah. Uh, so, like, this game removes the certainty that uh, the regular turns bring to you because you know, oh, that unit activated, it won't activate for the rest of the, for the rest of the uh, quote-unquote turn. I don't have to fear it. Uh, this is how long we have to the turn end, or this is how long we have to the game end. And when you when you know exactly when the game will end, you can go, you know, you can go play conservatively and then go for a Hail Mary pass, or you can just stall for time, do moves that aren't very, how do you say, fluffy, diagonals, whatever, can't pronounce that thing, uh, because you know when the battle will end. In this game, no. You have no clue when the battle will end. The cards may be friendly to you. The cards may not be friendly to you. The deck get, might get shuffled unexpectedly, putting the uh, clock card wherever. Of course, you have to play it immediately once you draw it. But yeah. still, uh, I, I love the bit of uncertainty that it brings. Uh, it can potentially lengthen the game a lot. But come on, we're already playing games that last two or three hours. I doubt it's going. It's, I doubt it will. Uh, turn into one of those 19th century boxing matches where nobody had decided that we have to have rules for when the get for when the bout ends so it can go for 18 hours yeah and like speaking of turns you also have uh, um things like uh playing in twilight or dusk where the first time someone plays a red card that's when the twilight ends and twilight system will modify it to everything else like it's hard to see dudes in the dark it's easy to move around skirmishing and stuff you know it's dawn everyone's kind of like sleepy but, but then it stops, and you're like, oh shit, I was kind of hoping for Twilight to keep my guys alive. Now we're all hanging out with their ass exposed in the field. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, you don't know when it's going to happen, because in like if you're playing 40k or 30k, and there's like, oh, there's like night fighting rules on the rule on the first turn, and then you know that it's probably going to end on second or third turn, and then you can play like conservatively. And yeah. Work around that with that surety. It's Nothing like, like that exists in the game. You you can obviously count cards at any point in this game. Like, oh, you, you've played your four regular cards. You're not going to be able to reliably activate your entire regular contingent. You've still got points to play them and activate dudes with your command points. But it's very expensive to activate your 12 guys. Less so, to get, it's like four points for, for a maximum size squad. Um, and there's probably, you paid out the ass of those guys, so it's got to be worth it. Um, yeah. But like... Yeah, you you can't be you can never be sure that the opponent won't have another card in the hand that will let you go from there. Like even if I can't activate all of my regulars, maybe some of them are elite, or maybe an officer is next to them and they can just play their um, charge boys or the forward boys. One. Forward boys. Yeah, yeah and then that that unit gets to activate again, <laughs> or they manage to scrounge a point and put their twenty seven dudes on Overwatch, and you're like, oh, I don't want to walk that way anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Overwatch isn't like without its drawbacks you'll get a slight penalty to shooting with it so that's nice it it, it, it stops from making it the default option of what you want to do forever and ever and always especially considering that this is like a black powder era game and black powder weapons aren't known for their real reliability at range yes <laughs> minutes minutes of an angle man we're talking about hours of an angle Note, mm. if this joke doesn't exactly work on how minutes of an angle are called and why they're called like that, I don't care. But you can still <laughs> add us on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Any, anything to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anything to drive uh, engagement. So reading the book again, I see that you need to get all three clock cards out 
to end the turn. Oh, quotes. And you need four red clock cards to check for objective victory. So that means you can pretty reliably get out most of your deck before you draw a red card. Because there's one red card in potentially, what, we had 20, 30 deck cards, I think was ours. Because you had yeah, three types yeah. of units, I had three types of units. There's twelve. There's 24 cards between us straight away. And then our two specials each, and then the three. So yeah. And then once all the clock cards come out, you shuffle all the discards back together, and then you go from there. It's just... Yeah, you you never have that, well, it's turn five, you can't walk that far issue. You never have that, well, it's turn one, and you can't deep strike yet. I can kind of do what I want with impunity. It's like, well, it's turn one, but you can you can still <laughs> run your four regulars straight away. I'm like, oh, that's quick. Genuinely, the activation system and everything that it touches is... Probably the most interesting, best, greatest thing about about this game. Uh, so yeah, that's why we put, put we put so much attention towards it. And like like I said, it's like one of those things with Saga. It's like it's really it really it really offers some 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 good depth to the game and some counterplays and like you know. You don't you don't often find the games that give you the opportunity to choose when the enemy is going to activate four of his units. You can in some games you can say like, oh, he's going to you're going to activate that dude, and like that that's what happens. I think that was how it went in Pulp Alley. But here it might be like, oh, you just put four of your regular dudes on Overwatch. Well, here's another card of regulars. <laughs> Go activate them. and Yeah, then or like, I see it. you've drawn a regular card and my whole hand is your three regular cards. I am not playing any of these for as long as I possibly can. Yeah, for as long as my command points last. Mm, mm, and I've got a lot of Overwatch to put them on, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. The next cool thing that I really liked about yeah. this game, I'm just, I think we should do all the more like, upfront interesting rules first rather than being like yeah, yeah. day sixes and then remove. okay the other cool thing yeah. about this game that I quite liked a lot was the spotting system is just so interesting and like a really tactile way that is very 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 fast a lot of games like calling out infinity springs to mind um, it's a very binary sort of hidden status either you have the hidden well, you're camouflaged or you aren't camouflaged you can be in like pretending to be someone else and slightly not pretending to be someone else and that's sort of tertiary but it's still like either you've got it or you don't in this game different people can see you from different ranges like your um people with the native straight can see you closer than people without the native straight can see you so spotting basically starts this cool little i think it's like 12 spaces on it from 72 inches to two inches and that's how hard it is to see someone so someone's sitting in like really dense terrain and it's raining and they're like Native uh, Native American Braves. Or scouts, or scouts. Yeah, or scouts, yeah. yeah. You probably aren't going to see them until you're really, really close, or they decide to shoot you. Because shooting yeah. is a, um, makes it easier to spot people, whereas not shooting makes it hard to see them. And it's just, it's just such a... Every time we did it, it never felt like, oh, now I've got to engage with this. Ugh. I will say that we did encounter a point where we could reliably realize... If your ass is out in the open on a road and I'm standing next to the cover, I can probably see you. So we'll just move on to the next bit. But if we had to deal with the tactile 
like it's minutia that I loved because it's such interesting minutia because it makes the period the bloody thing right of you play the period not the rules and yeah that's what it felt yeah, like uh, and for a game that's set for like uh, I uh, French set up from the beginning at, for the French Indian Wars and American wars of independence you kind of imagine a lot of that skirmish action and ambushes and stuff because america at that point was overgrown with forests and whatever and and other nonsense <laughs> and it's there, there there's a lot of spot there's a there is a lot of places for ambushes and not having the perfect information uh the thing i liked about the spotting system is Something I never considered before with my favorite game with the spotting system, Battle Group. Because Battle Group, you roll to spot a unit before you attack it. And if you don't spot it, you just waste an attack, if I remember correctly. In this game, crucially, you don't. Uh, you start with the 96-inch uh, spotting spot on the uh, spotting scale, and then depending on the factors, you move the spotting marker either up or down, and then you just and then you just see whether you can see it or not. So you may say like, "Oh, this is not nice. I want a bit of randomness in my spotting and stuff," because this allows you to calculate like spotting too much. In practice, it felt really nice. It was really good. And like units that are more hidey or units that are more spotty. So, for example, scouts are good at hiding and spotting stuff. Uh, had the benefit. It never felt like I was, uh, I don't know, unduly penalized or that it was too hard and, sp and spotting was useless and stuff. On the other other hand, uh, this is a game of black powder warfare. You're not shooting at 96 inches and hitting <laughs> anyone. <laughs> ah, you know, you, you just get a nines, just roll it. Just roll, just roll 12 nines, your weapons. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, spotting is actually good. And like, I've, I, I never considered that doing it roll-less roll was an option. <laughs> yeah, it's every other game seems to want to replace it with a bit of... Um, randomness rather than reliability or being able to move yourself in a way that you can like enforce your vision upon someone for lack of a better terminology but, like you, you can't ever reliably spot a camo markup in the field to get back to that well like if if they're yeah. in that state and you can't make that role you are never discovering them you can walk up yeah. to them and see them like out of cover under a light slightly on fire and singed from the last time they were shot by a, by a, a fearback and it's stupid like well i'm not sure it, it could be but also it's just like yeah, no yeah. You, you you can walk up to the scouts in the forest and just be like I fucking see you <laughs> i'm two inches from you i'm literally right here man you can yeah. shoot me with a musket and you not miss if I i'll find the way yeah. i'm just gonna fucking walk up there and punch you goddammit. <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah, the, the the way they handled spotting rules is really interesting and stuff. It's yeah, it's just it's and it's handled in such a way that I haven't seen it done otherwise. I'm not quite sure why I've not seen it done this way before. Of course, yeah, other yeah. games might have done it, but like you know, it's just, just and I like so well. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the only other game I really know that have spotting 
is battle group and it's not like for sp- super special snowflake units that have to mm-hmm. five layers of thermoptic underpants uh, it's for every unit with everything i think the only thing that's nearly auto spotable in battle group is a tank firing in the middle of a field <laughs> yeah same same here really like yeah, well, you know, this is a this is a game that's mostly set before the era of smokeless gunpowder. So if you shoot someone, you're leaving a bunch of smoke behind, which makes you quite visible. Yeah, and um, that probably segues nicely into just the general act of shooting dudes and how things work like that. Because like you say, if you shoot, you have a smoke marker and essentially a reload marker. They're kind of the same thing, but not really. It's weird. Yeah. Weird in an I'm not familiar with it way, not weird in a sort of like bad design way. <laughs> like funny weird, not haha weird. Yeah, uh so uh I don't know if 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 immediately into the shooting rules, but this game rolls on D tens. Uh that's basically it. Uh, each unit, uh, it's a D10 rollover basically every time, I think. I don't think there's ever a roll under. So the lower the unit stat, the, high, the, higher, uh, your, the higher are your chances of hitting it. And all the modifiers only apply to a target. I don't think I've ever saw more dice or less dice. And, um, it was a dice roll, wasn't it? When we're modifying the dice roll, the yeah, it stayed the same. Yeah, yeah, the target number is always the same, but then you modify yeah. the dice result. I, I don't exactly know what's the real difference between this one and that one, but hey. Uh, I, I think either way it's easy, as long as it's consistent and you don't do the delta one zero thing of negatives make it easier to do anything. Yeah. So uh, you're man 12, 24 inches away in the snow while blind upside down doing a push-up. Can can reliably take a 360 no scope, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah. This this game also does the uh, very very disciplined act, just like Paul Pally of like, <laughs> no modifiers are only this or that. We're not playing. We're not playing this game. We're not playing this game. You you which, always know what you're doing, which, I which love. is like, good. We we can. Everyone loves a good argument about intention in game design. But at the end of the day, I'd much rather if someone sat down and said, "No, this is what this is what the game I want it to be, and this is how I want you to ex- to understand it to be this way." Rather than like, "Well, it could be if it makes you happy." It's like, yeah, Fuck. no, no, and like modifiers uh, are easy; they're all bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh come on, they're it's true. Wait. Unless you're shooting something okay, bigger th- than a person. Yeah, yeah, they're all th- th- bad. That's- that's basically the only good modifiers for like shooting and hitting is if you're shooting someone in a horse you get plus one and if you're shooting at a boat or at a house that's plus <laughs> yeah. two everything else is bad for you because your gun is firing a non-standard size bullet from mm. a smooth bore uh, from a smooth bore barrel and uh, your targeting at both is a bit of is a nub at the end of the barrel to point in the general direction of the enemy <laughs> so yeah uh yeah and the d uh d10 rolls resolve everything roll higher uh to go better uh, so it's fairly simple there there's not not much new or interesting or good there except for one bit of extreme weirdness where the zero on the d10 is a zero and not a 10 
all, all my D10s say zero, so I understand where they're coming from entirely. <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 it's just I don't think that I've ever encountered it. And, no. And, like, everyone's, and everyone's calling it a D10, so you expect the 10 to be the highest thing uh, on I, the dice. I like it. But, the- yeah... <laughs> It it actually it actually kind of works, yeah. Uh, because like you know, uh, I switched to viewing tens as failures because Tabletop Simulator shows it as tens and records it as tens. Almost mm. immediately, I was like, "Oh, a ten is a failure." Maybe it's because when it's a failure whenever you see a zero on the dice, or it's a failure whenever like you you see uh, double digits in the. Uh, record and stuff but yeah it, 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 it's weird but it's still easy yeah it's a similar like sort of a choice i've made but like yeah rather than having crits be tens it's nines it doesn't change the math and it means you can roll less than a zero which is very funny <laughs> oh yeah there, there's All at right. least one table where uh where there is a result of less than zero yeah and i managed to almost roll that almost good old morale rules any game that has morale rules is a game that I like, except for Warhammer, where it doesn't count because the morale rules there are bad and have always been bad. Uh, fight me in real life. Yeah, and like speaking of almost pure negative modifiers shooting, it's the same with movement. I think movement for most units is four inches. No, it can't be four. Yeah, four inches for infantry, and yeah. then cavalry gets Depends. either four. <laughs> Cavalry gets four plus if it's regular, six plus yeah. if it's uh, light cavalry. Uh, so unlike in uh, unlike in the silvered bayonet, this game actually respects the horse's ability to go fast. Yeah. Um, Unless you go into a forest, in which case the horse is like, you know what? I'm gonna break a leg. I I I I I feel like uh, glue industry is a growth industry. <laughs> uh, but but yeah. gonna be the brave one. Yeah, and scouts, traits, and native traits, and cavalry. Yeah, these are all traits and gets your... I, I assume there is... A, one of the source books has infantry or non-mounted figures with a cavalry trait for whatever reason, because I think that would be interesting. You know, they run fast. Yeah. Scouts, natives, both give plus inch as well. And if there's no enemy figures... A figure with Within no enemy figures... Within 24. Yeah, that basically increases your movement by two inches again. So you're moving six, which is a big deal. Like, you're half faster than anyone else on the board, but that's a lot. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know, very lardy, very modern. Understanding that, like, you know what? On a 38 by 40, on a 48 by 48 board, you're not doing that much flanking or like Napoleonic maneuver anyways. Mm-hmm. The idea is to get into the grips with the enemy real fast. And if you're like 24 inches away, uh, you're still far enough from the danger zone to be running around with reckless abandon. Uh, I think second edition of Saga does something like it. Yeah, I haven't seen anything about, like... Because with terrain, it does that... Oh. So the kind of terrain thing I hate is where you, you get to measure twice for terrain, but, like, you walk up yeah. to the rubble, and you get to measure again and divide it or half it or whatever reason. I understand why they do it. It's fine. I just think it's a bit silly. This game kind of avoids uh, it because most of their terrain rules are just, like, you just lose an inch or you lose two inches of a rough ground or yeah, upper ground yeah. or the punchy stick world on fire. Um <laughs> But like, yeah, like if I start outside of 12 and I've got my cavalry, outside of 24, I've got my cavalry, my cavalry can move potentially 12 inches. Do I stop yeah. moving that plus two when I'm outside of it? Because I'll move that plus two first then. <laughs> uh, but it's yeah, just like yeah. a bit of, um, I don't know, like people stop yeah. reading perfectly clearly. I think it's, the game is fine. 
Oh. Yeah, maybe, maybe we didn't uh, read the, the rules for the terrain entirely at the end, but it's but not like it stopped us from playing it and enjoying yeah. it and stuff. And like I found the terrain rules quite evocative and simple to grasp, which I I I really measure war games by their terrain rules and how they consider that part of the battlefield because it's very hugely underused. Like shout out to Infinity Prior Edition, Third Edition had the best terrain rules I've read in any game. It was just fun. It was fun to do with it. They'd all different types of terrain and like high vis and low vis and saturation zones and different kinds of movement speeds. And it's sort of it brings up back a lot, a lot of like that. And like Saga as well also has amazing terrain rules because it's just simple. It's friction yeah. on the battlefield that's not like adding extra granularity to your decisions. It's just I want you to be in the woods shooting you outside of it, but there is an opportunity cost to enter the woods or leave the woods. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, unfortunately, many of the infinity uh, terrain rules get underused because people don't have terrain that visually represents low gravity or like you know Ugh. saturation. Peasants, like. peasants around, yeah. just surrounded by them. Yeah, just get some flight stands and put some like you know some of those containers you're buying for infinity. Yeah, magnetize on the bases represent. and have the negative polarity on the mat, and it's easy. I don't see what the problem is. Yeah, exactly. Like, what just the hell are you doing? Going to work, having relationships? Fuck you. You're not. Don't pretend that you are. Making up issues, making up problems. Yeah, so come married. on. Don't let your dreams be memes. <laughs> uh, there was another thing I liked about this game that we I remembered when I talked about. Uh, terrain. Uh, oh, yeah. Another thing this game handles easily is uh, formations. Uh, mm. I don't know if you would really do first rank fire, second rank fire when you ha only have 12 dudes, but this game does. And uh, the rules are actually quite simple for both getting into formation and out of formation. It's usually just like, hey, do you want your dudes to get into formation? Uh, they just have their movement for that turn. Unless they're already in formation, in which case they don't, because, hey, they're formed and just forming and reforming is easy for them. It's easier to do that than just uh, take a mob of dudes and then form them, form them into an orderly line of, of guys. And it also has very spe specific benefits for like being in a battle line or marching in a column, because marching in a column makes you go zippy fast on roads, while... <clears throat> arranging yourself into a first rank second rank allows you to just skip the whole I'm shooting then seeing if I kill anyone roll for like okay now you're rolling saves of course yeah. the saves only fail on a, uh, on a nine or something uh, but that's like you know that's I, I think at the end of the day at the end of the math just being able to lay down a 16-inch corridor as wide as your unit of like death unless you save is very beneficial and is very beneficial sometimes, especially when you're dealing with like black powder weapons and stuff. On a and 36 that, by 36 map, where like <laughs> yeah, 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 and you can start doing it like oh, it's not good. Do you want to reliably clip two units? Do you want to punish the enemy for stacking guys behind guys? This is how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to shoot your own guys because this allows you to shoot your own guys and any game that allows yeah. you to shoot your own guys is a good game in my uh, true. in my respect so yeah uh handles the, this stuff uh well i uh, loved it game good well there are also rules for like boats and buildings and i, I guess they're there we didn't really get to use them but 
To cover morale quickly, it's very easy. Um, if you're hit by an attack or you lose a person, you roll on your special chart, which is basically if you're regular, irregular, elite, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's very simple, guys. And you might um, route off the board entirely. Uh, basically, freeze up, run away, run away or freeze up, run away and freeze up, or be fine. And it's all simple. If you have to run away, it's just a move action. You're back. So you can kind of like, aha, you made me run away, but I'm going to move in a close order. Ha! Yeah, yeah. Now uh, I'm the I one mean, who volley fires. <laughs> a lot of the uh, results on the um, table re- still give you options to do once you activate the unit next. And unlike in other games where you are like, I drew a card for regulars, I can activate one unit of regulars. Oh no, they're in flight. This is a shitty activation for me. I hate it. You, when you play a card for, say, regulars and you have four units mm. of regulars, who cares if one of them is a bit shaken? Yeah. You can still, like, you know, do whatever you want with those guys. And even for and the shaken see. guys, they just need to roll morale to... And if they roll morale correctly, they can still do their action, which is like, hey, love it. Yeah, if they succeed, they can go again. If they don't succeed, they still, sh- get, they still shake it off and there's no real... Yeah, they lose the shaken token, but they yeah. can't do anything to... That's still not bad, unlike in other games where rallying is, like, divorced from doing an action. Yeah, I think if you roll bad enough on the rally roll, you might lose a guy or two, but, but that seems like, unlikely. Yeah, this is, this is like, I don't think it ever happened f- to us, and, we've <laughs> and we have all sorts of uh, morale events due to volley firing. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of... Speaking of firing and molly firing, uh, we mentioned the, the fire tokens and the powder tokens. So the black powder token goes away automatically next time you activate that unit, but the fire token remains because this is a black powder weapon and you need to spend an action to reload it, which again, in some other rules would be like, oh man, this is the only thing I got to do with that unit and yeah. that was reloading instead of actually doing anything fun. Uh, here, uh, doesn't matter. You probably activated four other guys at the, four, four yeah. other units at the same time. And for small enough weapons like pistols and stuff, you don't even have to track the reloading, but that's because usually it's an, a weapon used for by the officers and not like ranks and files. Yeah, and um, if you don't want to have to reload, your fists don't run out. Yeah. <laughs> walk, walk into contact with the opponent and just everyone attacks everyone else. It's easy, it's simple. Um, everyone within three inches of someone else, I think, attacks, which is it's kind of huge on like, how clumped up models have to be. So uh, you can see the saga DNA there of like the whole force fights the whole other force, and then we go. I, I think the three inches thing matters mostly if you, uh, yeah, if you charge skirmishers. Yeah, because uh, or if you hit a like you know uh, two ranks in the side, yeah, what you meant and hmm. stuff, because this shows how why people in like the black powder days stood in those orderly lines for shooting, because ca- but it, because if you are not in an orderly line presenting a, a serried rank of bayonets, cavalry will kill you. extended order is the skirmisher thing that's available in this game i don't think you can do it with like eight miniatures and stuff because in extended order every miniature in the squad has to be an inch from another for at least an inch from another miniature and that's when you there are like uh, negative shooting modifiers they're harder to hit because you're so spread out and you're firing with a musket and the bullet is going somewhere i guess and it's unlikely to hit a dude but if you're scattered like that cavalry is like my time to shine. And 
and if you present, uh, I guess, a, a flank of a firing line to the cavalry, it's also a good day for them. They're earning their pay and they're not getting shot. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's like these things aren't called out specifically, but if you know the period or at least have played the Napoleon Total War once before, you probably understand what this is trying to depict and, you know, love it for it. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. It's just simple, and I like that it's simple. There's bonuses for being the models charging in. There's penalties for being the models being charged, especially if it's cavalry attacking you in the flank or the front or the side, or just generally being charged by cavalry. Try and avoid it. It's just advice yeah. for life. Don't let, don't let a horse run you over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just like you know works for everything. And carry marbles. That's just my advice for that. Um, it solves a lot of <laughs> a lot of the horse problems you might encounter. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's simple when you just you attack. Um, the defenders do their morale first, so you can get really badly. You can just have a tie, and then the defenders run away because they go first. And that's neat. It, it encourages you to be the aggressor. Um, yeah, and if the defenders run away, you have to roll to see if any of your guys die, and this is a non-insignificant tense because I think it's zero to three because, like, hey, historically the deadliest part of the battle was the route because... Boy, it's so easy to kill a guy when he's not fighting back and is actually presenting his back to you. It's so easy, like, especially if you're a cavalryman. Man, that's so easy. Like, yeah. nobody's happier on the battlefield than a cavalryman running down yeah, some, like, it's fleeing. It's zero infantry. to four. So 40% chance for each guy that's left standing at the end of the fight who wants to run away. Recalling from die. combat where you just sort of, like, you get charged, you might run away. You can, you can choose to recall from combat and lose a 10% chance in each model, which isn't, like, terrible. 40k players deal with worse odds every day. Yeah, yeah. Like, any, uh, they have worse odds of a rule rule release coming in complete and on time. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, it's basically not to get not to get too deep into how that's basically how the game plays and going into army building. Everyone's yeah, kind yeah. of the same. It's neat. I like it. It's the saga thing of your models have a special trait that makes them special. And maybe a training type that makes would alter how that works. Yeah, like you have uh, well, like elite scouts or native sharpshooters or like two different things in wombo combo. It. Uh, it's an interesting part because to get it to the army list, you need to buy a supplement, and we're uh, adamant about not reviewing supplements or anything. Maybe once for once we get the Patreon going or something. Shout I would out simply in the go comments. to mt.evarmy.com and build my army there. Or shout out in the comments on how much you want us to do additional content for Patreon because you want to throw money at us. But yeah, uh, what Casa mentioned is very important. All of the probable army lists are on Easy Army and you can browse them and build your armies entirely for free. Of course, you still need to have the actual rule books to know what the actual unit uh, abilities do. But they're usually... Very regular building blocks of like you know abilities like that built built on top, and then and they can be used to represent a whole bunch of things, because like yeah, a unit goes as, up to Napoleonic. That's wild. The what's now? The dude goes up to Napoleonic. It's kind of I didn't realize that. <laughs> oh yeah, it goes up to Napoleonic because that's what the second supplement is about. Um. So, like, the unit ha first has its, like, type, which is regular, irregular, provincials, and, like, uh, militia, and 
natives, which governs what kind of uh, card uh, activates them. They also have a training level, which can be recruit, trained, uh, conscript, which uh, shows how likely they are to run away once they're going at stuff. Uh, this is a bit, uh, this is one spot where Casa had some comments about them uh, doing uh, special training levels for basically non-Euros for natives and native and warrior are two specific types and i think yeah, you especially just, took took issue with the warrior description i just think it stands out to me um so i'll just look it up one second um so yeah um so, so x draw their bravery from cultural and religious conditionings they're extremely brave and let themselves are carried away by group fervor but when that fervor is weakened individual survival instinct soon takes over the, what <laughs> that's everyone yeah. That could yeah, be anything. There's no reason yeah. you couldn't substitute that for any other like thing. It's, yeah, it's, because like training can go as far as training goes, but like if morale is uh, low, <laughs> yeah. even the, the, the even the like you know the best trained guy will run away. The uh, combat so, doctrine teaches them to protect themselves by withdrawing in the face of enemy fire, so they quickly retreat than some other troops. Individuals with no combat experience who are not equipped to withstand enemy attacks. Like, isn't that conscript? Yeah, but like it could be warriors, it could be natives. I think the one that you read about the training, uh, the, the the training to retreat, regroup, shoot back, refers yeah. to natives because warriors are the ones that uh, that keep going until the going gets tough. <laughs> yeah, but it just stands out to me that natives. I understand that you want to represent these people because it's the way they've. They're like it's important to have them represented in the game and just be like generic yeah. goons or whatever. Like that's I understand that. But it stuck out to me as um, maybe like insensitive because you can't tell me that like a regular soldier man from Europe fighting for God and country is that and who like break when all of his friends are gone or he's told to retreat or things look a bit dicey. Is that different from just a dude fighting for his homeland because the, you know, foreign invaders are here. And if things get a bit dicey or too tough or some friends don't, he's going to try and fight another day when things are more advantageous. I, I don't understand why that was the way they separated natives and they've got, like, scouts and other rules. Like, if it's a trait that says, hey, you know, they're local to the area, they get a bonus to movement, which some Americans just straight up have, it's fine. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. This just struck out, this just stuck out as this weirdly regressive. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's very interesting because the natives trait uh, in the game, which is like not the same as like the now type or something, is like it, it's more meant to represent that you know the area because like uh, some of the American provincial militia or something get the native trait because like hey they know the territory they they're fighting in. But like yeah, so outside of like you know training and discipline level, there are units have three stats. Uh, shooting, aggression, and defense. Shooting is shooting, aggression is punching, and defense is only used for defense and melee because you can't really parry a bullet <laughs> unless you're some sort of, like, Geralt in a powdered wig, I don't know. Perfect, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you have those things, like we mentioned, though, uh, uh, like scout and native traits, which <laughs> their movement bonuses aren't cumulative, but they make it so much easier to move on the field. And that's usually what you'll see on your skirmishers and the Native American 
uh, Native American allies because, like, you know, French-Indian War. Uh, yeah, like, it yeah. makes sense to have, like, that sort of thing, like, you can be native to the area without have while still being like essentially a colonizer for lack of a you know a, yeah, yeah a more neutral term like if you live somewhere yeah. for your entire life you're going to know the area pretty well and reflecting yeah, that you, this way it makes sense and it makes it it just stood out to me and I don't know why it stood out to me so much because it just seems like just out of place like I don't know why I don't know it, yeah it's just like shitty it's just shitty <laughs> yeah 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 and it's not like you know all the euros in this game are uh equally like qualified to be everything or anything i for example was surprised to learn that hessian mercenary infantry are considered to be recruits which is not the best kind of discipline level for guys and stuff but yeah but, but the rest of it is good <laughs> yeah like it's just a just two paragraphs in an otherwise fine game. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we've, we've, as with some games we've played before, like, hey, that's a fairly good, uh, fairly good ratio. Uh, yeah, and like I said, like it's not as bad as sorry, it's, it's like it's not as bad as like the um, going crazy because you've got a wheelchair sort of in previous games we've covered. Um, yeah, and like there's a lot of stuff that makes that you can give your British uh, you can give your British officers a tomahawk, which counts as a throwing weapon. Just like, yeah. yeah, it's fun. It's neat, you know. He's a local. Yeah, he's, you know, hangs out. Yeah, <laughs> throw an axe at you. <laughs> <laughs> There's also stuff about building your army for, like, for example, if you put your army mostly of one unit type, mm. so like British infantry, you can have a specialized you know, a specialized army, and I don't remember exactly what that does. There are also things like. Uh, there's are there there's also how do you say dependencies like for example sometimes uh your if you want to give your officer a veteran trait you have to have at least one unit of veteran british infantry other yeah. times is like if you're taking say elite uh one unit of elite jaggers every unit of jaggers jaegers that you have has to be elite uh which is interesting and cool i love restrictions on army building more games should do it uh and so and yeah and this is i think also fairly a fairly gentle way of not fairly gentle fairly uh graceful way of doing army building because you're not selecting the entire kit because the entire kit for a guy and black powder era doesn't matter you have either a musket or a rifle or something and you don't always get to choose that because it would be really weird for british line infantry to be all rifles and like 1776 yeah um, it's, um, it's simple i like it most most people around with a musket carbines yeah, yeah. are pretty rare even long rifles and rifled muskets are pretty uncommon in the earlier yeah. um books but like it also yeah. works like black powder is fun to have as a um smoker's neat it's just yeah everything kills yeah. kind of on the same number just differences in like range and it's you're more lethal at half range than it Less than half range. And half range on a long rifle is 36 inches, which is very funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're getting bagged and tagged with that, baby. Which is uh, the same as a regular rifle, but don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and like I said, and like I said, there are like various unit modifiers, like we mentioned, like native uh, and other stuff. Cavalry is actually a modifier. There's really no specific mm. unit type like cavalry, and it comes with so with so with its own specific rules. And close order is like we mentioned the formations thing, and which only gets like about a page of rules associated with it. Um, I think it's all nice, all good. Uh, sometimes you can give units negative traits to decrease their point costs. You can make some of your militia more cowardly or, or something. Uh, sometimes you can upgrade or downgrade their weapons. Like if you have sailors, you can give them ship weapons, which makes them a lot better in melee, but uh, almost impossible, incapable of doing any shooting. Uh, so... They have these simple building blocks, and they can really build a lot out of it when it comes to creating an army. And I, I, I assume that every unit builder in Easy Army exists with the blessing of the official game producers. So if it's, if it's that if that's the case for Musket and Tomahawk as well, I applaud the creators for not being people who in 2022 charge you money for having an actual functional army builder yeah um it just it works really well you know it highlights the um not the granularity like units are all kind of the same like i said they have like a type a discipline shooting aggression defense that equipment and then a trait up i think three traits is the most i've seen on one person yeah but i'm sure there's more um it's just i like I like I said before, I'm not super into historicals for the period, except for like as a way to play something interesting and different than pupu laser mans. Um, so I I'm not like an expert apart from general realities about it. Like you said before, like I do wonder sometimes like how much we know about like the older battles for these points or these periods. Like what would what would be the standard supporting unit for some British uh, dragoons like <laughs> running around? Yeah shooting dudes and burning down the white house like hey, what were they what were they carrying like was it just degrees just 40 degrees actually we didn't get to play with artillery though i'm very annoyed i wanted to bring like a nice three pounder cannon and just like see dense guys are lined up and just like draw a line and kill them all but their scenario only well, yeah they're, they're basically explained they're basically explained as existing as mostly scenario pieces the artillery because like your army is literally at most or so, of course, you can go uh, higher than that. Sixty dudes. That's not. That's not the artillery. Play. That's not the actual playing field or use case for the artillery. But uh, I guess you can still bring it in. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, army building is fun. It's easy. It's probably easy enough to be doing like with a sheet of paper and stuff. Yeah. But that the fact unit that cards. army builder exists uh, is cool. Every game with unit cards is my little thought. It's a nice little like. You can even have it on the cards you're drawing so you can see what you can play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and like you so, uh, like I mentioned, the fact that you, even if you take a single unit of regulars, you then will activate that uh, single unit of regulars for, uh, every time there's a card that there's a card draw for it, which could be four times. Is a thing. And another thing that which Casa experienced in our first game, he brought nothing but regulars so his cards are far fewer in the deck because he only has regulars but each time a card of his regulars is drawn he's activating his entire army and they and were all elites too so i had five cards in the deck that activated everyone 
yeah, yeah. So like, you know, there's a, a balance you might want to do. Me, I'm an idiot. I always bring a good variety of units because I love... Uh, I love to build a core of like two regular line infantry and then just mishmash whatever random dildos they could have grabbed along uh, the way. Uh, I think at some points you the uh, army builder even have actual factual civilians, not militias possible <laughs> as an option, which is like exists probably as a speed bump for cavalry. Uh, yeah, there's there is really some variety in here, and I love to see it. Yeah, it's um, it's like it's the scale of the game being like saga level, like modern platoon is kind of what you'd be building like twenty five dudes, maybe fifty if you want to go like really not spammy, but you know less is more. Um, it's not a, as far as games go. Like this is a very approachable way to like just build a force. Like just build two forces. It's not gonna break the bank. And yeah. you probably got Napoleonics if you're the kind of war gamer that is plays historicals, because apparently people like the Napoleonic era. I don't know why, but they do, and it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, since we've uh, went into excuses to buy miniatures and stuff, well, there are some miniatures for, like, I guess, <laughs> French and Indian War, or uh, for, like, you know, the American War of Independence. Definitely has to be some of that for that. While it's not one of the two black powder wars that have been played to death, which is Napoleonics and uh, American Civil War, there should be still plenty of miniatures out there. Uh, for the people uh, in the streets who don't know the difference uh, between the eras, I'm going to say look for the hats. Uh, the the earlier eras have those tricorns or what you might consider pirate hats. And the later eras have like big stovepipe hats, usually like that. Obviously, some person who is really into uniforms of his chosen periods has just experienced an aneurysm. Uh, what a <laughs> hell of a way to lose uh, 10% of our re uh, listenership. But uh, yeah, find your period and go buy, go buy an army. And I can mostly assure you that it's going to be cheaper than playing any of like any like mainstream game. I don't know if like Perry Bros. Uh, yeah, Perry do. Perry do War of Independence. I'm looking at so yeah, American War of Independence, Continental Infantry, 1776 to 1783. Plastic gets you 38 infantry. That's most of what you're going to need for a... Yeah. Option of four to six men figures and four reformermen. Only one E in that word. That's strange. Um, Yeah, like it looks like there's a, a huge amount of people making stuff like this because, you know, people like to make stuff about periods that were important to them and Americans seem really obsessed with the period of when they became a country to when they became two countries and then became one country again. I don't understand <laughs> it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, damn, periplastics has really expanded when I was wasn't looking, but it's mostly with Napoleonic stuff, which is hey, one of the expansions is for uh, doing Napoleonic stuff. And once you get into Napoleonic stuff and get some miniatures painted up, you will never lack variety of gosh darned rule sets to try with that because oh my god, there is so many Napoleonics out there. Yes, it looks like um, using Australian dollars. It looks like about 110 bucks. You can get two boxes of like 30 to 40 Perry's guys each. 
and that's that's going to be whatever army you want to build. Uh, as long as it's like Americans, you can probably, probably covered Brits. I'm sure you could do very similar, mixing in some Napoleonic guys as well for heads and helmets and like there's navy boxes. It's just it looks very approachable, very very able to be done as well. And and you can start researching it and find out where your great 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 to the power of 1763 grandpappy was and build his army. Yep. Yep. See where he was um, hanging out in between plowing fields and plowing sheep. Ha ha! Boom! Got you a great, great. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, you old geezer. Yeah. Like, and the book calls out like AW miniatures, brigade games, foundry miniatures, front rank, galloping major, Iron miniatures, North Star military figures, Perry miniatures, and Redoubt Enterprises. And I'm sure there are other boutique guys making amazing resin stuff or um, 3D printable parts to get really, really granular. And that's what he been saying, like, 6, 12, 10, 15 millimeter factions, or 6 millimeter armies either. I think this could be really fun in 15. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, I, I don't think the book uh, calls out any other, like, you know, sizes uh, other than 28 millimeters. But, hey, 28 millimeters is where Perry's roll, and that's where you might want to roll in as well, because as far as plastic goes, or just miniatures goes, Perry's, I hear, can be beat. Mm. Uh, three hardest working hands in industry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it does. It does call that if you want to play small than 20, 25, 30 mil, just inches become centimeters. Just, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, and like you know, uh, uh, I am looking at prices in pounds for some reason. Uh, that's like twenty-two pounds to get thirty-six Brits, which is like if you don't build any officers, that's like three units of twelve. Infantryman, which is more regular infantryman than I ever brought, I think. Um, and it's entirely enough for you to have a solid, nice, solid core of an army or just play a really small scale game because uh, I think it, I, I think there are two scale, two sizes of the game in this point up to 500 and above 500. Mm. And some at some point it might get a little unwieldy. Uh, yeah, I don't know so, if I yeah. get much about 500. 500 seems like a nice little sweet spot for the scale the game wants to be yeah, representing yeah, yeah. and operating it. Uh, but you could go bigger and start doing brigades like the cards draw is not going to go any slower. It just becomes more more things are activating yeah. and the board becomes really, really cluttered. That's what yeah, you want. Yeah. If you want to do Gettysburg with this system, I don't see why you wouldn't. Oh, and another thing is that this game is also like, dude, Put down miniature on put down terrain on the field. Have like at least a third of the map filled with miniatures. Mm. So this is another way this game wouldn't be liked by 40k tournament organizers. Uh, oh, you can make some nice farm hills. I'm sure they'd be. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, like uh, get some terrain on this. Like this game has potting rules and all this stuff for a reason. It's not about fighting in the open field with two lines just blasting each other for like half an hour until somebody quits. Uh, it's for skirmishing and stabbing people in a swamp. Yeah. Like Dracula's so, America, but more of them. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, excuses to buy miniatures. There's also excuses to buy historical miniatures and it's going to be cheaper than any other game ever you have ever encountered. Do it, do it, do it. Play, play historicals. Yeah. And the, for, and the further you get uh, from World War II when playing historicals, the c cooler you get. <laughs> that's, 
That's why I play Infinity 300 years in the future, baby. It's cool as hell. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, might we want to move to the uh, compliment sandwich? Sure. I did you dirty last time by going first. Uh, okay. You go first. All right, I'll go first. Um, uh, I think it's the card draw. The card, the initiative system is just so engaging. I think it's maybe my, it's maybe one of my favorite ways to do it that we've played with so far. It doesn't feel, I never felt like I was out of options for to activate. I always felt in control of my army and I never felt like I had a bum hand. A few times I had cards that were nothing but for dense faction and even then it still felt like it gave me measure of control because I could you could tell what he wants to activate you can see what's been played and if you have the last regulars card in your hand or if you've got the um charge boys card I keep forgetting the name I don't care what the name is forward <laughs> boys yeah yeah if, if you've got the if you have the opponent's forward boys in your hand playing it gives you a command point and also you can dictate when they do it so dropping it like immediately start is like a good push for them but it means it's not going to come back for a while. It could be a long, it could be the entire deck while if they don't get out their three cards, which is just, it feels good to be like, oh, you want to move your cavalry? Oh, what a shame. If only someone had the card for all your cavalry. Oh, well, you start spending points. <laughs> but that, yeah, and that there's also that thing that, again, cavalry doesn't exist as a separate car, a se- mm. separate thing. One of, uh, I had one unit of cavalry that was by provincials, like Americans. Yeah. So, so that's why I had the card for them. And the, the other unit of cavalry was regulars. So I had, so they activated along with my infantry. And it's, yeah, it's fun and easy. And it's why I let Casa go first, because if you don't choose uh, the activation system in this game as your favorite, I don't know, man, something <laughs> might be wrong with you. Yeah, and just being able to be like, yeah, it encourages you to bring a variety of units with that. Um, penalizing you for not doing it. Like you can bring all cavalry that are all elites and just have regular cards and just have those four. But if you bring some provincial ones and some regular ones, it gives you more variety and more power and more control. It just, it's just, it's just neat, neat. Yeah, just basically build whoever you want to build and stuff. It's it's great. It it it, it encourages good, good stuff, good thinking at all steps of the game, and I love it. Love to see it. Hmm. So if I'm going to talk about my own thing, I'm going to mention the surprise hit that is the diceless plotting system. Uh, it never felt bad. It never felt like a chore, basically. And like I said, when we discovered that like some of my units are just like you know dicking down down the road, we were we were like just you know, wave the spotting rules. These guys are just waving down the field. Yeah. Just, just just shoot them already. <laughs> Uh, t- come on, they're, they're they're in bright red clocks. How how can yeah. you not see them? Uh, yeah, so like it's one of those th- things where I, I'm well not uh, having an epiphany and stuff, but it's like you know I never considered doing a battle group spotting rules without dice as a as just a check to see if you see guys, and it's like it's. It feels like a, such a simple idea in retrospect, but mm. I haven't done it. Many other people haven't done it. Then these guys did it. And it's like, damn. Why not think of that? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like when you look at something like 
uh, chain of command activation system, second edition one, uh, you you go like, yeah, that somebody really had to go come up with that system because there's a lot going in that activation system. But say this spotting just like, how about not using dice? And you're like, hmm. shit, damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just like letting certain units be spotable by one faction without a one one squad without the other squad all being able to spot them. It's really cool. Unless you have units hiding from like the horrifying guys over there, but being able to be seen by the up close skirmishers, like that's fine. What are, what are they going to do? I mean, it's the job of skirmishers to like go ahead and possibly scout out such things and encounters and stuff. And like now your skirmishers are doing what they were always meant to do. And it's not your line infantrymen looking and going to poke their bayonets into a bush. Yeah. Uh, great stuff. Um, at this point, something you don't like about the rule set? Uh, rolling badly. It felt really shitty, and I wasn't a fan of it when I wanted things to happen and go my way, and the dice were like, new. No. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh... I, I would... That's just that TTS games go that way sometimes. Um, I would bring up the natives, but I haven't read the expansion books, so and maybe they get better. And it's just a couple of paragraphs. It's just like, ah, hey, that's kind of shit. Let's not do that. Just, we'll scroll past. We'll scroll past. Keep scrolling. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's really kind of hard to come up with something I passionately uh, the, the, didn't like about the game. The yeah. real, the real, real negative is the dearth of scenarios in the main book. Um, yeah, you've got an ambush, you've got uh, like line up and shoot each other in a breakthrough one, and they're all kind of blah. At least the ambush one, you're, you're carrying objectives to go somewhere and try and stop someone to have like a focal point. The other ones are sort of like just you know, just shoot. <laughs> Well, no, uh, the, the the first scenario is like, like about capturing scenarios and which is something I like. I think none of these scenarios are just kill points because you, uh, a lot of games just resolve to be like, oh, the first scenario, just going to introduce this to the people, just do it about dumb killing people stuff, which is, I think, one of the reasons why the introductory first scenario in Chain of Command doesn't work. It's probably the worst thing to do in Chain of Command, <laughs> just dumb shoot man's shoot man stuff. Yes, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, it could be more scenarios in the main book, could be some example armies in the main book, but I guess that's yeah. the business model they're going with and you can't fault them too hard for that. Uh, now, if I had to come up with my own negative stalling for time stalling for time stalling I'd for better time. be really cool and interesting and would like enlighten us all a lot about how your brain works yeah shit um sympathetic deaths uh <laughs> yeah, sympathetic deaths and morale are probably encountered so rarely that you will uh, never see it but God, this is the hardest time this is the hardest time <laughs> i had I, ha I had coming up with a drawback and this isn't even a game where I'd be like, oh man, I'm super hyped to play it. Uh, it's, it, it does everything perfectly, but like nothing that does badly like stands out that much at this point. And if I said that I didn't like the D10 ending on a zero and not a 10, it would be kind of like a cop out. Wait a minute, this is my own podcast. I can do whatever mm. I want. This is a, yes, this is a cop out. I don't like the I didn't like the uh, zero B the zero meaning zero, not a ten. Even if uh, if I as had previously stated, 
did not find it hard to adapt to it and it made reading ties still very easy. Okay, I've done it. Nobody can get mad at me. Nobody can add at me. Uh, though you can still can drive up that engagement. Uh, your second thing that you liked about the game. Um, it's probably, probably the unit traits. How simple yet um, thematic they were really helped me build a narrative in my mind of how my army functions. Um, yeah, it's just, there's like two pages worth and in, which stands in stark contrast to Pulp Alley's like 12 pages of stuff that are all like one sentence liners. No, we didn't cover it. I'm going to say it. It's going to be the, um, oh, the commander traits. The commander oh, like, thing. Oh, snap. Because yeah. we they were dope. They're just dumb yeah. and just like, so your commander has like a special rule basically. Um, dense one, which we found very funny was if he's next to a certain unit and that unit takes a wound, he can take the hit instead because it's his son's unit. He doesn't want his son to die. And then Dent also wrote up a special gift for his character where if they, the first time they fall down, they get back up within six inches because they had a lucky charm or something, which immediately paints a picture of who his character is, like who his commander was and why they're there. And it was just, it's the first time I've seen that done in a way that wasn't like, oh, cool, I've rolled up a, take a shot. Mm. Yeah, it, because... Yeah, this is a this is a system that Cass actually flipped from the first game to the second one because I think he rolled something boring for the first one. But uh, you, if you want, you can take an intrigue for your character and he uh, for I mean for your army, and you have to uh, carry it out unless you, uh, otherwise you won't be able to win the game you no matter how draw. well you do. Yeah, you can yeah. only draw the game, but. In exchange, you also get to roll for gift. like, yeah, for a gift. Uh, so, and g the gifts are something like that. that only works once in a game or something usually. And oh, my first game was great. If I ever, um, the first gift I wrote up the first game was if you would get a command point instead, you get three command points, which is kind of a big deal. Like first off, because I'm that kind of player. Like I got a thing. Do it straight away. Don't wait. Just do it straight away. There's no reason to wait. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, gifts and intrigues actually a good system. Even even if it's optional, it's really fun. You get to do dumb stuff. There's really quite a lot of those intrigues, uh, I think. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a two so, D ten table with like D ten like columns and then subcolumns, yeah. and it just none of them seem particularly bad. None of them seem particularly painful. Um, yeah, you could, I think there was a, was it a house where we can flip the dice rolls and pick the other one, or was it just not not a house roll? Oh, I yeah, think it's pick, in there. Yeah. You can choose which of the two is the first, which is the second. Yeah, so yeah. double you have the choice, which is fine. Um, so the other option in the second game I had was like I can pick three points, three on the board edges, and my commander has to go and visit each point before the game ends. Like, oh, that's really tough on my walkie, dude. Hang on, I'll just do the one where my commander has to kill someone. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it, since you can choose which one of the two you take, unless you roll the doubles, in which case. Beep got fucked. Yeah. Uh, One yeah, percent chance really... of that. Oh, ten percent chance. I mean, yeah, like full of hatred. If the commander has eliminated at least six enemy figures, figures eliminated hand to hand count double. You have completed your intrigue. Like that's just that's cool. That's so much more interesting than every like every other campaign game we've covered. With like, oh yeah, my commander's got a scar that makes him like do something else. Like no, this that's just, it's too much effort to get there. This way, all of that commanders are always different. All of that commanders have something fun. Um, 
don't know. It, and it, it was just so easy. And it was just like, bam, one sentence. This is what my guy can do. That's why he's cool. I'm like, what does your guy do? Wow, that's hilarious. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> that was a great. That was a great bit of fun. And like he said, there was a, like you immediately started doing a story out of the bones that you were given randomly rolled, which is uh, something I've be, 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 begun to like in like RPGs and stuff. I don't want to build a character around the concept that I have. I'll random roll that idiot, and then I'll tack on the story afterwards. And uh, yeah. Most, if not all of the times, it works out swimmingly. And it works in this game, especially since it affects uh, the game directly so little, but also it has some real weight in that you can't win the game if you uh, don't accomplish your intrigue. Immediately, such a cool and easy way to functionally do it, rather than like, yeah. oh, I just think of every other terrible wargame I've played where your commander has a trait, and the trait just doesn't matter. Like, oh, wow, he's got a cyborg leg, so he's not a minus one movement. He said plus one movement, but minus three plus one. Like, all right, does, what? Who cares? And this is just like, yeah, new uniform, and no figures being limited within four of your commander, but in the game, you completed your intrigue. Like, that's hilarious. He's got his fresh clothes from his mum. He doesn't want to get them bloody. If the enemy is, yeah. you know, is the first to fire a charger in the game, you completed your intrigue. So yeah, he just wants to wait and see what happens. Like it's just, it's just, ah, oh, can't get over how how it's just so good. It's just so good. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, we luckily have, uh, coming out with compliments for this game is a, a lot easier than coming up with uh, critiques. But for my second compliment, um, team. I'm going to say that I still enjoy that there is some variety with army building and stuff like, look, with historical games, you can't really do that much, like, you know, uh, difference between who, what one human is and what the second human yeah. is. A trained soldier uh, is a trained soldier. A musket is a musket is a musket. Like. The, the, the most severe case of this that I've seen is Warhammer Great War, where you have A, the full Warhammer stat line, which is like strength, toughness, and all of those other things. And B, early Great War when everyone is just a blob of guys with a rifle. So those lists were dire in how boring they were. You think you're gonna get, you think Bavarians get toughness four or something? No, everyone's a strength three, toughness three. Uh, melee ballistic free dude and stuff like having Warhammer stat line, Warhammer size stat lines in like historical games where nobody's like going up more than a point from the uh, human standard is hilarious and pointless. And this game just narrows it down to spots where, like, hey, these are all humans with guns, but there's that's where their training and like you know willingness to get stuck in uh, matters yeah. uh, so uh, i like it and it's fun and it's good and it ties back into the whole activation system which is oh my god did we tell you about the activation system it's <laughs> so good yeah and like the ability to like build a force that you want to play and then give it a personality with the cards or with the um like if half your force is the same, you get a bonus that seemed pretty good. If I had it before, like, oh wow, I actually get like that's actually a big deal. Like if half your space marines are all tactical marines, like, oh they get like a plus one to their shooting sometimes. This was like oh what was it? 
Specialized yeah, force. Yeah. Yeah, mixed force. Um, I'm sorry. Mixed force gets to buy command points at the start of the game. <laughs> so you don't take as many dudes as you can. You get like this stat level points. Specialized force. All the officers get their troop types talent for free. So your officers all become sharpshooters. Or your officers all become like scouts, which is cool. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's like, yeah, the army building. It's, it's so easy. It just works. Yep. And it's so easy in how it works so easily. And it's just after playing so many games that think that the the differences like, I don't know. It's just, it's impressive. It's just an impressive rule set. Uh, the point is that uh, rule sets that limit your choices of the army and stuff and don't let you build whatever, whatever soup army that you want are great because then you have to work around some uh, some sets of like uh, limitations and stuff and uh, this works better this allows the game to be played more like the uh, devs intention uh, intention and you're not always sent on a hunt for the most up for the optimal choice in every case because hey you can't take the one unit you want endlessly and repeatedly because there are limits in that of, of sorts and stuff so yeah, it's it's great. I love it. So, uh, Senor Casa, would you play muskets and tomahawks? Oh man, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I I I'd phrase it differently. Would you collect muskets and tomahawks? No. Okay. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, on, honestly, the game itself is really, 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 really cool. I I can't stress how cool this game is as a game to play. For this period, it seems incredibly evocative. The card draw is cool. The spotting is cool. Everything about it's really cool. But then I hit that fucking thirty meter sheer cliff of just. It, I don't care about like early gunpowder to pre tank warfare. Like are the tanks the bus baby, or like uh, I hate saying it, but like give me wizards or something. Like I don't. Dracula's <laughs> America made it work because Dracula was cool. And there was like you know cool shit to do, and yeah, yeah that that's my main thing. Like the game, the game is amazing. If someone's like, "Hey, I'm gonna play this game," I'm like, "Oh, okay, let's play it." But I'm not spending eighty bucks on a rule book <laughs> to play to play to bust my ass to play the game, man. Like it's just yeah. Uh, I think I'd play it, especially if somebody had a a spare army and stuff. Uh, collecting it would be a hard sell because it's all because I'm already trying to to like you know uh, get some of my friends to play some of the other games like Chain of Command and like Battle Group and uh, Black Powder isn't exactly uh, my favorite sphere but like yeah I'd play that if <laughs> if you have quite too many British and Continentals or something in your collection and you want me to play with you, I'd be like, yeah, I'm game. I'm down. Uh, <laughs> Are I'll you bring in the uh, Baltic States at any point in the next six months? Hit up then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you in the Baltic States and inexplicably carrying around all of your French and Indian war and specifically French and Indian war miniatures with you? Then boy, can we play a game <laughs> as long as you provide the terrain as well. Uh, Actually, we can provide a table at least. I'm sure they're not flying Ryanair at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's not a slam on the game. That's just me, my gaming preferences. Um, I, I, oh, I don't know. I don't have. I'm not a game designer. Like, 
I'm a bad kind of person. I could see this being like a really cool, um, pulpy kind of period, like gangsters sort of having like, like a gang brawl would be neat. Um, not Necromunda because fuck off Necromunda, you suck. Um, but that kind of like squads of jerk asses going around punching each other in the face kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just a setting. Like retheme it, reflavor it. Hell yeah, man. It's I mean, licorice. yeah, it- it's incredibly well designed licorice, but I fucking hate licorice. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, if they did the, uh, if they did an expansion or something, I don't know if they're going to work on this anymore. If they did an, uh, if they pulled an Agus Saga Age of Age of Magic on this, and we are planning to <laughs> to specifically review that supplement because I view it as a basically entirely different game than yeah. just Saga at this point, and I can do that because it's my own, it's my damn <laughs> podcast. I set the rules. Uh, yeah, if they put put in some sort of uh, original setting, donut steel uh, magics and black powder setting in it, like yeah, go wild, play it. Maybe we'd play it. Maybe we'd even be sorely tempted to collect it. Yeah, and like I said, like it's just the the period doesn't do it for me. That's yeah and it's like yeah. oh man it's it's doing everything else so right it's just so close to being oh man but yeah it's just a conflation of issues that i have that don't reflect the game at all like if this was your favorite game i'd be like oh man i don't know why i'd play something else <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah we say that often that we understand why some person uh, would play the game by we wouldn't play it uh, but this is probably the hardest time where we understand why you play it and stuff because it does so many things nice. We understand why you'd hack it into something else, though there aren't that many fantasy settings that are like tricorns and wizards. But hey, if you're an aspiring indie developer or an aspiring indie writer, do the tricorn era wizardry and stuff. Uh, if they manage to put wizards into Napoleon with that TV show and with like Silver Bay on it, you can do I don't know Shackle with a pentagram. I mean Tricorn with yeah, a pentagram, man. like Dracula's pe- pe- muskets and tomahawks. I'm there. Yeah, I'm there yeah, so yeah, hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. even a lot. Just like a, just a little bit. Just a little bit of weird shit. That's come on, Mac. Come on, <laughs> give me some magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give me, taste, ra- <laughs> <laughs> Give me some Give me some rank-and-file fishmen. Yeah. <laughs> blub, blub, what is this nonsense? <laughs> yeah, like, like I said, like, the game... The game is so good. The game is, like, 11 out of 10 good. Yeah. Oh, maybe maybe 9 out of 10, because I still think that it could use some sensitivity real yeah. fast. But, like, you know, every, no game yeah. is perfect, and this game this is so much closer to that. I'd, I honestly walked out of that game we played the other day and been like, yeah, it's all right. Then I thought about like, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that was really good. That's a really good game. Oh, I wish I enjoyed the setting more. And it's just like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, that's uh, yeah. yeah. And it's a bit. So it's a big old recommend for, for muskets and tomahawks uh, from Fortified Niche. And uh, uh, tune in next time. Well, well, where we are going to be playing something other than a historical game. Ooh, ah. We actually know what the next game is going to be, but we're not going to tell you because, again, like us. Uh, yeah, our podcast, our rules. Yeah. Uh, so I have been JC Dent, your host, and this has been Casa, your co-host, host-host. A very revenant weekend to you, my friend.
<laughs> Thank you, and uh, see you all next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>